We all have a creative part of our brain, whether we use it or not, for generating new ideas, problem solving, and just viewing ourselves in this world. I am Ricky McGeckron, an artist living in Chicago, and I am eager to know and share with you all how people of a creative leaning have brought this way of thinking to the forefront and how it has shifted outcomes. Creating artwork can enable someone to express key parts of themselves, their personality, their past, or their values. So often when you are looking at artwork, you are seeing parts of the artist. The story of today's guest starts in a small Michigan town on Lake Erie, Port Sanilac, population 623. Teresa James grew up there with her three siblings, mom and dad, and many much-loved pets over the years. It was a town where everyone knew everyone, and there were lots of families with the same name as theirs. When Teresa left Port Sanlac and ventured out into the world, she left with a strong faith, a love of animals, and an inclination towards the visual arts. I came away from my conversation with Teresa seeing someone who values kindness and how this has been core to her journey. I am pleased to share my discussion with artist Teresa James. I know we spoke previously about this, a world that we can't see combined with a world that you know we exist in and see every day. And that's one of the ideas of the show. Can you tell me about, about that idea of I don't know if I'd call it spirituality, but this idea that there is something else that's going around us all the time that we can't hear and see, but that you know is here. Yeah, I think all of that comes from my Catholic faith and um, my spirituality in that way. I was raised Catholic, and I'm still a practicing Catholic today. Uh, And it's always a source of inspiration to me. And I've always felt like, somehow aware or connected to talking about the afterlife and where we go after we're here. And I was always so um, interested in it. And it visually in my mind always uh, gave me pictures of things that I wanted to create. You had mentioned that your Catholic faith is a source of inspiration. Would you say that you grew up in a like a strict Catholic home? I would say that I grew up in a devout Catholic home, but my parents were such loving, sweet people. They, you know, my dad is an artist, and my mom was really super creative, and we always felt like we could go to our parents and talk about whatever. So I guess in a way you could say strict, but it wasn't like unkind and it wasn't overpowering me. Like I felt like I was being, you know, forced to do what they said. It wasn't like, now you need to do this or, you know, this is going to happen. And we always were able to talk about things. And we went to church every Sunday and we, you know, we practiced or we tried to practice our faith. And they just always taught us as kids to... Uh, you know, be kind to other people, do your best in the world. They were always very supportive and it was a very loving home. They were always available. My dad worked so hard 
to support the family. And my mom was always there taking care of us kids when we needed her. So they really did their job. Now, you grew up in a very small town in Michigan. Yes. I think you had said it was like 4,000 people. Actually, um, right now, I think it's between five and 600 people. Looking back on it, do you feel like you were removed from culture a bit? You obviously had television and radio and all that, but you're not, you weren't close by to a, a big city. Right. Do you feel like you were uh, somewhat cut off at all? Yeah, to some degree. I think also we lived in a town, Port Sandlack, which is right on Lake Huron. And it would have been, it's two hours north of Detroit. We definitely didn't grow up knowing a lot of certain things that you might know about going to the city. But I think once I left... Port Sandlack. I uh, moved to California for a while. And I just remember this story. I didn't really even know what sushi was. (laughs) And then when I moved out there, I was like, what's sushi? And then my friends told me and I'm like, Oh, my gosh, this is so cool. You know, So, so there are those little things like that, where maybe I wasn't experienced in the world. And that's kind of why I got to a point where I knew I wanted to go and get out. I wanted to leave and, you know, explore art and just meet people and, and to kind of get outside and see what, what else is out there. So was that something where I need to get the heck out of here or was it more of a, hmm, I'm kind of curious to see what's out there? I think it was like maybe sort of in between because I enjoyed my life there and I had such great friends and I wanted to be a fashion designer and so I knew I couldn't do it there so it was kind of like yeah I can't wait to just get get out and you know do what I need to do you had mentioned your dad was an artist mm-hmm. is that correct um, was he can you tell me a little bit about him in terms of like where he grew up and what he did for art because I'm curious about someone who lives in a uh, a male who lives in a small town like that who's an artist. That how, how do you get to that? When my dad was a young boy, his uncle was in the war and would send him little sketches of planes and things. And my dad really liked that. And so he kind of got him into drawing as a kid. And then as he grew up, he always kind of pursued that art on the side. So in Port Sandlick, where I grew up, that's where my grandparents lived. That's where my dad grew up and my mom grew up. So everybody like knew each other. It was kind of like this, you know, cozy, quaint little town. And so my dad, as he got older, uh, he actually went to Center for Creative Studies. So he went to Center Creative Studies. He painted and drew. They kind of met while she was working in the TV shop in this little town. He would go stop in there, and he saw that she had some drawings laid out, and then they got talking. And so then they kind of met and, I think, liked each other, and they ended up getting married. So while they were married, that's kind of when art school, he kind of quit going to art school after that. But he pursued his work. He still painted and, you know, would have art shows like just in the town or nearby. But he always continued to pursue that. 
I remember, too, my mom telling me stories when they got married. Uh, they were kind of like these art artsy people of the town, and they were kind of like known as the beatniks of the town because they wore the black and were kind of a little bit like different than everybody else. I always remember my dad making art. He always had a little studio, and he, he worked really hard, like having his own businesses and stuff, but he always find found time to make his own art like even if it was a long day and he was tired he always had time for us kids when he came home and he always found a moment or two to like keep painting that's great now did did your siblings did any of them um pursue artistic avenues my sister and all my other two brothers, everybody's all really in creative type jobs. My youngest brother, Matt, he is an artist too. He shows uh, in Chicago and New York and he he does drawing as well. And then my brother, Mike, he has his own techno band. It was called Deep Chord. And then he kind of went off into his own thing as Mike Schomer. So he's kind of known more like in Europe and Germany as with his techno music. And then my sister was always really creative in so many different ways. And she writes a lot. She's constantly writing and she's got great stories, but she also is um, spending a lot of her time helping elderly and works with elderly people. But everybody's all really creative. Yeah, I think that's a great story. What a gift that your parents gave you to essentially give you the license to be creative. Because I talk to people, obviously, all the time on my podcast. You know, everyone starts out as a kid being creative and there's art class. But then at some point, it breaks off. And some kids, a very small percentage of kids stick with that. But most most kids do not. And they pursue something that either they're not going to get made fun of, you know, particularly with boys, you know, being an artsy boy isn't always, you know, I was subject to a bit of ridicule um, or something that's more guaranteed to a career, you know, all the reasons. And it's wonderful that there was sort of this foundation, it sounds like, that was very solid that allowed you to see that as a value of um, a valued way to pursue your life. I always remember my father and mother being um, very positive where it's like, if you want to pursue this, then that's great. They never forced us, you know, to be in the arts or to go to college. Um, my dad told me that his father always told him that it didn't really matter what he did. But as long as he did it well and took pride in his work and did his very best and always treat others with kindness. Um, so that was kind of the base. So family, faith, art, it sounds like these are foundations of you. Are the, is there anything else that's a big part of you that we need to talk about? Those are the big ones, but I guess you could throw in like, my animals. I've always been an animal lover. And yeah. um, I have Did three. Do you have a lot of pets as a kid? Well, you know, we had cats. And then we also had a beagle named Jake. And then he died. And then we got Jack, who was Jake's son. But when I was younger, um, 
Jake and Jack were a little too jumpy on me. So I was like, ah, so I had all my kitty cats. And I had one cat in particular, Thomasina. She was a stray. And I have home movies of me where I would just kind of lean over and she would jump up on my back and I'd walk around with her and she'd just ride on my back. So I kind of had like little stray cats here and there. And then we, of course, had Mama Kitty. um, And she was like the old, you know, veteran cat of our whole, you know, cat lives that we've had. And then, but, you know, it was kind of funny. I was always bringing home like a bird or a mouse or something that was like injured and I wanted to make it better. So uh, you'll, I have a lot of photos of me when I was younger with an animal in my bed and like just, you know, holding all these different little animals that I'd find. And then I do remember my mom saved this letter I wrote to my parents and it was pleading with them that I wanted a fancy dog. And I just was like, please, please, all I want is a fancy dog. I'll do anything because, you know, we had the beagles and I'm like, I just, I don't know what I thought a fancy dog was like a collie or something, but so she saved the letter and I, I just was like, oh, tears. I'm in tears, 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 please let me have a fancy dog. When a child is an animal lover, like you were, like what what do you think that says about them as a person? Because obviously the traits that we have as a child, a lot of them are just hardwired and they, you know, they either, we keep them or they turn into something else as an adult. If a child is a animal lover, what do you think that that means about them as a person? I think it means that maybe they're a compassion a little more compassionate person yeah. having more uh compassion in the world i mean not to say that you know if you don't love animals you don't but yeah i think it's like uh something special because i feel like animals are so calming and they you can learn so much just from being around an animal and just being in a relaxed state, they, you know, if you're stressed out, I feel like you can talk to a dog and just, you know, doesn't matter. You can just let them know what's on your mind and they're always right there. Well, I think it's wonderful that you have the ability to take all of these things that are meaningful to you, meaningful to you, uh, you know, animals, your faith, um, and you have this artistic way to express it that's what that's fantastic thank you yeah I feel blessed because you know it's sometimes hard for people to know like what am I supposed to do in this world you know what is my purpose because we all have a purpose we all have our strengths and weaknesses and uh it finding out what that is and what our mission in life is while we're here and I think it really boils down to helping others in whatever you do, whether it be art or if you are working like in the medical field. And, you know, because sometimes I think, well, I want to do more for other people. How can I really help people? Is making art enough? And I feel like, yeah, it is what I'm meant to be doing. And of course, I do want to help. And I try to do other things outside of that as well. But a lot of people can feel lost and like, what is my purpose? What is 
this thing that I'm meant to do in life. And they can go from different jobs and trying out things. So I felt very fortunate that I kind of knew at a young age, even though fashion design was like the first love, it changed over time. So do you believe that everybody has a purpose? Yeah, I do. I think we do. It's tr- I don't know what it is for everybody, but it's our we have to find out what that is. I feel like everybody's unique and everybody is a special person. And uh you know, I don't like to think lump people all in one big group like as just numbers. Like when you encounter someone, they are important. And it doesn't matter if it's somebody who's maybe living on the streets or maybe it's somebody who's, you know, a rich, high-powered whoever and maybe somebody you don't really get along with or whatever, but everybody is important. So if someone is listening to this and they haven't found their purpose, uh, do you have any suggestions, ideas, guidance for how they can get that answer? Yes. Well, I mean, for me, it's all about prayer, meditation, if that, you know, prayer is meditation. So I guess for advice for in general, anybody, I would say just take some quiet time to like either pray, meditate, or or just maybe um, just get out in nature. You know, that can help you think about things. And then maybe write things down and list your qualities that you, those good qualities that you might have because everybody has you know like I said strengths and weaknesses so what are your interests and what are your strengths because I feel like you know while you're here we need to be doing things to help each other it's not about just kind of floating around and you know watching Netflix all day and you know uh, yeah, just finding purpose. And I always, I feel like when you are, uh, if you're lost, I feel like the best medicine for that is just go out and try to do something nice for someone. Find a way where you can help somebody else out. And maybe that would like open a door, or open your mind to something that you never thought you would do. I would say don't get stuck in a plan now, for me, I did become, you know, I continued making art. But like I said, I wanted to be a fashion designer. And that was it. I was like, I'm going to do that. And nothing's going to stop me. But I was open when I, you know, had this kind of realization, like, I don't think that's where I'm meant to be. And yeah. I was open to that and open to trying something new. You have to follow your heart. And your dream of what you think that might be and it could be something that you never thought and a lot of times it is you know and the journey of life you know you could be doing something for years and years and years and then you know things change and you thought well I never thought I would be here so I, th- I think there is that you don't want to give up but also knowing when maybe it's time to try a new, another way. So one thing that you mentioned was other people on the planet having a dramatic impact on you and the direction of your life, your career. And you mentioned Tony Fitzpatrick. 
Um, can you tell me a little bit about that, that relationship and how, what that, how that impacted you? So I moved to Chicago and my plan was to go to the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, SAIC. So I'm enrolled in school. And at the same time, you know, I always had to like, my parents could never afford to put me through college and that. So I always had to have jobs and pay for my school and get loans and they would help me as much as they could. So here I am in Chicago and desperate for work. And my friend was trying to get me in this coffee shop where she was working and I had to just kind of take whatever I could on the side while I was going to school until I could you know find something a little bit better but so anyway she gets me this job at the coffee shop and it just so happens that Tony Fitzpatrick it's the coffee shop that he would go to every day he is a Chicago-based artist who uh, is a printmaker, and he does these beautiful bird collages. He's known all over the world. Um, yeah, and he's also like a man of many talents. He's been on radio. He's an actor. He's a writer, a poet. Um, and so I was so fortunate enough to bump into Tony in my life. And here we are at the coffee shop. And I just started going to art school and he and I would get into conversations and he had told me that he was opening up a print shop and he needed somebody to work for him. And I'm like, oh, I would love to. It just so turns out that I'm taking printmaking classes right now at SAIC. So uh, he's like, would you want to come work for me when I open up? And I'm like, yeah. So we stayed in touch, you know, because he would come in daily and. I kept asking him, like, hey, you know, are you ready to get to, you know, hire me yet? And so it finally happened. And that was about 1990, 91. And so I started working for Tony. And I mean, what an education there. It was like, here I am working for this artist who can teach me so much. When you're working with someone in a small business, you become kind of like a family too. And so I knew his family, his wife and kids and his, you know, parents and his siblings, all wonderful people. And Tony always included me, like would he get collectors to look at my work? He'd put me in shows, I'd, you know, with him. And it's like, he didn't have to do any of that, you know? But he was always so generous. And I learned so much just watching him, um, you know, doing the business end of it. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so it was not only just his artwork, but it was just the whole package. And so I ended up working with him for 13 years. You know, I met my husband through Tony. So Tony's dad knew my husband's dad. And then my husband, Bill, he is really uh, into art and he was always wanting to collect art as a young person. And Tony Fitzpatrick was one of the first artists that he started collecting. Mm -hmm. And so so the uh, my husband's dad kind of made a connection so that Bill, my husband, could meet Tony and see his work. And so he started buying Tony's work. And he ended up buying, my husband bought some of my work through the studio. So when my husband, Bill, bought my work, when he wasn't with my husband at the time, 
I was like, oh, great. And this guy, you know, he paid me and he, you know, this is awesome. And then we joke later that after I got married that I got the sale and then I got the guy and then I got the work back. So, <laughs> so Teresa, thank you so much for talking with me today. Um, I did see one of your animals made an appearance in the back while you were talking. Uh, one of your, it looked like it was a German shepherd. Oh, okay, my Shiloh Shepherd, and then I have a giant Newfoundland somewhere, and then I have a little, little itty bee baby. <laughs> well, thanks for talking to me. Um, where can people go to uh, learn more about your you and your artwork? Well, I show at Hofheimer Gallery in Chicago, so you could go to their website, and um, I have a website, TeresaJamesArt.com, and uh, anybody could call the studio and talk to me. I'm really easy to talk to and approachable. And if anybody, I know right now with COVID, uh, but you know, people are always welcome to come by my studio and look around and I'd be happy to talk to anybody. Um, I love sharing what I do. So, um, yeah. Okay, great. Well, thanks again for talking to me. Introduction music was Breaking Over Branches by Fog Lake. My name is Ricky McGeckrin, and you have been listening to Eager to Know, the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast.